0: Good morning. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, 2021. It's not a coincidence that there are two passages in our Parsha, the Parsha Pinchas. They are very different from each other, but both are presented within the context of inheritance. Now, there are many methods of transferring assets purchase gift a loan inheritance in jewish law is unique both philosophically and legally and the two subjects of inheritance in our parsha, the first concerns the land of israel where we're now at the end of the 40 years in the desert so god describes the way in which the land will be divided among all the Jewish people who enter there. And the Torah says in our parsha, Hashem Moshe Hashem says to Moshe, Le'ele techaleik benachala, You will distribute, you will divide the land as an inheritance. The mechanism, the underlying philosophical structure of the way in which the Jewish people will come into their ownership of the land of Israel is through the process of inheritance. It's not obvious that it should be like that. It could have been considered a gift. Perhaps like Avraham purchased a field in Israel in which to bury sorrow. But no, it's described as an inheritance. And, just after that, the Torah tells us about an individual situation, a family situation, the daughters of tzolavchad come before Moshe, and they say to him, we have a question about how we are going to inherit our father's share. Tenu lanu achuzah, give us, explain to us how we're going to receive our inheritance. And the reason the daughters of Tzalavchad come is because there is a regular rule in the Torah. It's actually located later in the Torah, but clearly it was already known by this time. And that is when, just to take an example, if a father passes away, his sons inherit, but not his daughters, and the firstborn son, the Bukhar, inherits a double portion, and that creates an obligation to provide for all of the needs of the daughters and the way that this works out is that the daughters receive their share which is their total amount of full support for as long as they need it they receive their share before any of the sons receive their inheritance in other words their share has a higher level of priority so they get it first and the underlying theme of the entire subject of inheritance in Jewish law is that at this emotional moment in the life of a family with the passing of a father and the transmission to another generation and the vulnerability and the emotion and the grief that's going on there should be, as much as is possible, a smooth, transparent transfer of assets. And in fact, the phrase that the Talmud uses to describe this in halachic terminology is ben mamale mukam aviv. The sun or the sons are not receiving something new they stand in the place of their father. In other words, and this is a unique feature about inheritance in Jewish law, in contrast to other methods of transfer, it's automatic. It doesn't require any action to take place. It doesn't even require the knowledge just at the moment that the father dies, the assets are automatically and immediately transferred according to a set distribution that the Torah sets up. And the, the, the phraseology is that the, the, the son takes the place of in order to provide, according to Rabbi Samson for Hersh, to provide leadership, to ensure fairness. It's supposed to be a smooth transmission, automatic, smooth, transparent transmission to allow for security and calm at a time of emotional upheaval. And the Bukhar, the firstborn son, is given a double portion, as I said, according to Rabbi Hirsch, in order to be the one to oversee that and to ensure that fairness and that transparency so that everyone is treated right. And daughters having receiving their portion, not through the vehicle of inheritance, but through the vehicle of support, That means that their obligation is a prior, a higher priority. And therefore they have the security to know that even if there's not enough for each of the sons to receive anything, they will receive their full amount first. Pino's Tzalavchad were a family of five daughters and no sons. So they had the question, what about us? There are no brothers to inherit and provide us with support. If there are only daughters, what happens? And Hashem answers them. In that case, each of the daughters do inherit an equal share. So that's what happens to the daughters. Now, this is also the method of transfer chosen by God for us to receive the land of Israel as a nachalah, as an inheritance. And the reason for that, one of the reasons for that is that when the Jewish people enter the land of Israel, they should not feel that they're entering a new land, a new life. You can do whatever you want. No, they're entering and taking possession as an inheritance, which means they are taking the place of their ancestors, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They have to remember that their possession of the land of Israel comes not through their own effort, but comes through the promise that God made to the patriarchs and to the matriarchs. And they have to remember their obligation to act as the proper descendants of those ancestors and they have to always remember that this concept of inheritance binds together the generations so that they are not starting something new they are continuing something that has already been in existence and that's one of the ideas that it should be described philosophically as an inheritance. The Jewish laws of inheritance evolve as society evolves and people's role within society evolves in order to maintain the same goals, fairness, transparency, reducing jealousy or enmity, especially at a moment of crisis, such as God forbid the death of a parent. In modern times, Rabbis suggest that inheritance should be arranged so that the surviving spouse and all children should inherit an equal share. The simplest way to do that is to write a civil will that is legal in the place where you live, for example, a Quebec notarial will. And that will work according to Jewish law for two reasons. Number one, Dina D'malchut Dina. The law of the land is the law. And that applies certainly to any kind of financial or monetary issue. So inheritance is a monetary issue. It should be covered by the laws of Dina D'malchut Dina. The way that the country we live says that assets are inherited that is the way that it should work according to Jewish law. And that is in Quebec through a notarial will. So the notarial will should be seen as not only valid according to Quebec law, but also valid according to, to Jewish law. Secondly, independently of that, there is a concept in the Talmud, mitzvah lekayem divrei hames. It is a mitzvah to fulfill the wishes of the person that passed away. So if a person writes a civil will, even if you would say a civil will is not valid according to Jewish law, because it's a secular law, not a religious law, even if you would argue that, but it certainly contains the wishes of the deceased. The deceased says, this is what I want and children and everyone else should take that as instructions from the person that passed away. And there is an obligation, mitzvah, kayyem, divrei, amez. So everyone who is affected should agree to accept that. Those are two reasons why this is valid according to Jewish law. But this is also disputed in Jewish law for two reasons. Number one, Inheritance is not purely a financial issue. There is a spiritual and a moral component to it as we discussed earlier. So therefore, some say, dina namakuta dina, following the law of the land as the law is not applicable to the subject of inheritance. Inheritance only covers a subject that is exclusively financial. Something that is a mixture of financial and spiritual is not covered by dina Malkutadina, and therefore a secular will is not valid according to Jewish law. And secondly, mitzvah l'kayem divrei ames, the obligation to fulfill the instructions, the wishes of the deceased, that is a moral principle. That's how people should act. But people do not always act the way they should act. And it is questionable if this rule could be actionable in Besdin. If there was an actual case, a dispute among, let's say among children, God forbid, um, it is unclear if Besdin would take into account what the secular law says, in on the strength that it expresses the will, the wish of the parent, because that's a moral issue and it requires cooperation. So my suggestion, and this is a suggestion, normative suggestion of most halakhic authorities, is that a person should have a halakhic will, and what that means is a document that goes together with a person's secular will, should be kept together. There are a couple of different versions of this halachic will, but the main idea of it is the same. It's a document attached to your own civil will. And it simply says, using the proper halachic terminology, that this civil will, I mean for it to be transferred to these people in a way that is in accordance with Jewish law. Of course, it will only be needed if the question is adjudicated in Besden. Uh, Civil court doesn't care what a halakhic will says or does, but it is something that is important to have in order to remove or at least lessen the possibility of any kind of dispute afterwards. If anyone needs help with a halakhic will, I am happy to help. Um, I have done this many times in the past to help people and I'm happy to help others, guide them through this issue. However you do it, there are two rules that are very important to keep in mind when you consider how to structure your estate and the process of inheritance, two rules that come from Torah values of these areas of law. Number one, treat treat everyone equally. Don't let a grudge or an upset create a situation that leads to greater discord It has been my experience, unfortunately, that the most common reason for, God forbid, the breakup of families where families don't talk to each other, siblings don't talk to each other, relatives don't talk to each other, is by being upset over inheritance. Don't leave an inheritance or set up an estate in a way that might create animosity later. It can last for generations try to do everything in your power that it is equal and fair to everyone. Don't let personal grudges or egos or upset get in the way. That's number one. And number two, it is very important that what you ever you do, you should be transparent about it. That means that everyone who is affected should know in advance what you are planning and agreed to help to make that transfer peaceful because they know what it is, they know that it's fair, and they should be asked to help to make sure that it is harmonious. Parents are sometimes reluctant to do this, either to make the arrangements or to discuss it with those who are affected. Our Parsha models how to do it properly, both on the family level from the daughters of Tzalavchad, and on the national level, from the division of the land of Israel among the Jewish people orchestrated by God, the Torah models for us the benefits of applying the Torah system of inheritance with the values of fairness, equal treatment, and transparency. And that is something that all of us should try to emulate. Again, if I can help with that in any way, I'm happy to try to do so. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.